Welcome to Saturday Night Shaggy. I'm your host for this episode, Vlord GTZ, and with me I have my usual co-host Sakaki. Hey yo, what's up? Happy Saturday. But also with us today, we have a special guest, Deb Aoki from Manga Splaining, Publishers Weekly, and a bunch of other places. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you. Yeah, I mean, when we were thinking of doing uh, what we're covering today, uh, your name immediately popped into my mind. I felt like you'd be a perfect fit for this. Uh, I guess to open the curtains a little bit, we're going to be talking about A Journal of My Father by Jiro Taniguchi, a uh, very emotional read. Um, <laughs> and I know you've raved about this book, uh, both on Manga Splaining and the uh, Best of Manga uh, panel that recently came out. Um, so I felt like this would just be a perfect fit to talk about it more. <laughs> yeah, happy to do that. I, I, I love Jiro Taniguchi's work, and um, I think more people should read it, so I'm, I'm down. Yeah, but I guess before we get into the weeds of this uh, manga, I first wanted to ask, how did you get into manga in general? Uh, well, let's see if I can explain this well. Um, I grew up in Hawaii. Um, I'm a father depending on what side of the family you ask, I'm either third generation or fourth generation Japanese American. Um, and growing up in Honolulu means you are surrounded by Japanese pop culture. Um, it's everywhere. We, it's a famous, it's a favorite destination for Japanese tourists. Um, we have, we, when I was growing up, there were, I think two or three Japanese movie theaters, first round movie theaters, uh, Japanese radio station, Japanese bookstores, um, Japanese, you know, like art, uh, when I was a kid, you, know, you had your choice of Scooby-Doo and Brady Bunch, of course, but you could also watch Kikaida and Ikusan and uh, Princess Knight. So mm -hmm. I was surrounded by this stuff since I was a kid. Um, I went to Japan for the first time when I was in third grade, and my, my aunt um, gave me a copy of Nakayoshi, which is a shoujo manga magazine. And I that was just hooked me, you know? I couldn't really read much Japanese, but... You know, manga is so great in that the storytelling is such that you don't have to necessarily read Japanese to follow the story. But, um, you know, it's, uh, I just kind of got into manga from then. And it was kind of one of those things like this is before uh, manga was readily available in English. So, of course, you'd have to, you know, learn how to read Japanese. And there was no Internet then either. So it wasn't like you could get scans or anything like that. Um, and then I think that for me, it was like when Fred Schott's book, Manga Manga, came out, that's when it finally gave me context, like, oh, this is what this is, and this is what this world is, and um, here's the, you know, that's the history of it, and here's these legendary creators, and I've kind of been interested in it ever since. I, I read all kinds of comics. I grew up reading Archie, Richie Rich, Marvel Comics, DC Comics, you know, comic strips, and so on, but you know, manga has been something kind of near and dear to my heart for a long time. Mm, that's awesome. I guess to kind of go further into that, uh, what is your familiarity with uh, Shogakukan manga? Do you remember like the first Shogakukan manga you read? Hmm. To be perfectly honest, no. I didn't really have an awareness of uh, the different brands of the publishers um, at the time. Um, and I think I like I most like I said I mostly read shoujo manga and I think um, Nakayoshi I believe it's not that's 
It's Kodansha. Yeah, Kodansha. Kodansha. So, and then I read Margaret, which I think is Ishat Shogakan. That's Shueisha. Shueisha. (laughs) So I read those. I didn't read much Hana Toyume, but Hana Toyume was Hakusensha. Yes. Um, Yes. So that was pretty, I mean, like, I think it's, so that's pretty much what I, what I remember. As far as like understanding the differences between Shonen Sunday and uh, Shogakukan manga, that happened after I started being a journalist. <laughs> oh, um, okay. You know, getting to know the, the the different publishers and the different specialties, the different personalities that these each each manga magazine has, um, and getting to understand that Shogakukan is. You know, I think what's what was tricky initially is that um, Viz is part of um, part. I guess is uh, partly owned by a, like a partnership of Shogakukan and Shueisha, which makes it a little hard to untangle sometimes. You know, what's what's a Shogakukan title and what's a Shueisha title? Um, for a period of time, then there was that Shonen Sunday imprint, which they did. Um, and that's when it kind of became more clear to me. Um, and also when they did the Ikip imprint, that's when it became more clear to me that Shogakukan is different. But I think if you really want to, if you really want to think like, oh, when's the first one? I would probably Rumiko Takahashi's work, right? Because she's Shogakan through and through. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the. I find it interesting that you, that you say that, the, the different personalities of the thing, of these different publishers, which mm. that's what kind of got me into, like, I mean, as I said it before we started recording, like, my content, I mean, my first manga was, actually, I think it was Rumiko Takahashi, too. I mean, my first anime was Dragon Ball. So I oh, was wow. Shueisha. That was Shueisha. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, my focus, my getting into Shogakukan was when, you know, I one of my favorite manga uh, in college was Law of Ueki, which was in Shonen Sunday. So and for a long time, I was just like, you know, I was always gravitating to Shonen Sunday stuff. And it wasn't until recently that I was able to really kind of convey why I like Sunday more than Jump. So I find it interesting that you say that they have different personalities. What would you say that uh, Shogakukan's personality is to you compared to, let's say, Jump or Magazine, Kodansha and Shueisha? I think I remember someone explaining to me, and it's and it resonated, this explanation resonated with me, was that um, Kodansha is sporty. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Kodansha's shonen magazines tend to be very strong on their sports manga, um, sports series. Um, and Shueisha, um, shonen, like the jump manga, Shueisha tends to be very, I guess, manly or boy focused. You know, like they're very proud of the fact that their shonen manga is is pretty much th- created with a teen boy audience in mind um, of a certain type. Um, and jump has evolved over the years from being super manly, you know, like, like, this is the North Star, super duper manly. And then now it's you got Demon Slayer, which is kind of manly, but maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah. There's you know? definitely there's definitely a sense of like as the creators, you know, go through the ages, it, their influences change, and yeah, then you start getting a like different type of storytelling. But then like should it, like Shogakukan, like or particularly Sunday, feels like it's very much influenced by its um, its flagship creators, I suppose. So Mitsuru Adachi, Rumiko Takahashi. Um, it seems like there's more of a, I want to say a gentleness to it, more of a, more of a, 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 a leaning towards uh, 
slice of life type stuff. I mean, obviously there's all kinds, but you know, you know, Conan, right? There's Conan, there's uh, Ruka Takahashi, there's Mitsuru Adachi. So if you put those three together and you try to find the Venn diagram that of the thread that comb- that where all three of those creators' sensibilities overlap, um, it just feels like um, like it's like it's welcoming to both male and female readers. If that makes mm. any sense. No, that, that, I, I actually really like that because uh, interview that I like translated for the current head editor Sunday, uh, Takenori Ichihara, he said something along those lines, which is that, I mean, this was an interview between him and the current head editor, Shonen Champion. Mm-hmm. And he, he said that Shonen Champion, I mean, Champion's known, I think it still kind of invade, conveys that kind of manliness, that kind of, um, you know, a lot of Yankee, Yankee manga, um, a lot of, yeah, yeah, hockey, you know, a lot of like the, those kind of, uh, each of our described as kind of rough and tumble. Like mm-hmm. they, that, that's one thing. I mean, you get kind of the outliers like Beastars that was in Champion, but mm-hmm. um, most of the time it's that kind of like, even the artwork is very tough looking. So and then you get Sunday where it's like very, you know, it's I guess like the editor of Champion, which his name is escaping me right now. He said like Sunday's like the big bro, the welcoming big brother, very gentle, <laughs> like like uh, you have, you know, Con- like we're in another magazine. The protagonist would loudly state, I'm going to be the best at this. You have like more smarter, cooler protagonists like Conan. And, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah, that's that's how they describe like the difference between Sunday and uh, uh, Champion. I mean, there's another one with Chump that I'd love to do, but like, yeah, and I, I definitely see that too. There is a very much sense of, I've always called it with Jump. Jump has this thing forward mo- momentum where there's always something ha- big happening in those manga, where it's like, whether it's a huge battle that the characters are in or they're, I mean, it's either they're in a huge battle or getting ready for a huge battle. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but with M- Sunday, it's always kind of like, you'll have those chapters where the characters, like I, I remember one of like uh, Zatch Bell, where it's like mm-hmm. one chapter where the characters will be just playing on the playground or something like that. And that's the chapter. There's no conflict. I mean, maybe it's in the middle of a bigger conflict, but it's like there's there'll be several chapters or one that I remember seeing you talk about on Twitter is like Kikaishi. Kikaishi's mm. one of my favorite. Like anybody. Oh, who I love asked that me, one. Yeah. Anybody who asked me, like, what's the best Sunday series to read? Kikaishi is like on the forefront. That's the first one I say. Because you'll have chapters of Kakaishi where it's just Yoshimori making cakes. <laughs> and that's it. That's the chapter. There's no conflict. Or he'll be in school and it'll be a short thing where he's like taking care of Ayakashi and something like that. There's no... When it's time for their big conflict, they're there. They'd have the conflict. But when it's not, they don't feel the compulsion to throw you into a fight <laughs> every with every chapter. And that does kind of feel like what Sunday's like um, overall, like, Vora is. So I have a question for you guys, since you guys focus on uh, Shonen Sunday. Um, Jump is very famous for its motto of friendship, effort, and victory. Is there a, a similar motto for Shonen Sunday? Hmm. I mean, I remember when I was doing my like research for something else that like I think one of the first editors of Sunday was just like it's supposed to be kind of like a well I mean the overall atmosphere of the magazine is supposed to be welcoming like a, mm. the kind of manga this kind of manga, uh, obviously the name is the kind of manga you'd read on a well on a cozy Sunday afternoon 
nice. which is which is where the name came from. Even yeah, isn't like it, one of the mottos like Wednesday is Sunday? Yes. Uh yeah, that's that's like currently like if you open up a um Stone and Sunday, uh that is like the logo on the t- on the top of each manga. It'll say Wednesday is Sunday, even though this magazine has never come out on Sunday. I think originally it came out Tuesdays huh. and it moved to Wednesday and that's where it's been now. Like, yeah, that's I don't think there's anything like as memorable as Friendship Ever Victory that Jump has. But, yeah, it's just the kind of manga that you just turn off your brain and read. Or if you feel like thinking a bit, then you have like the Conan or something like that to read. Yeah, I don't see as much hand wringing. You know, like, like in Jump, for example, there's always this hand wringing about the big three, right? Like, oh, yeah. what's going to like? I remember when uh, was not when the big three was Naruto, Bleach and uh, One Piece. Oh, what's gonna happen when 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 to and Bleach end? Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! What's gonna happen? And then you know, sh- you know, sure enough, there's another big another two or three come along, and they become the next big three. You know, and you know, it's uh like people get worried, like things are gonna happen. Yeah, but I think I think there's more. There's always talent out there. There's always good stories that'll meet the moment. Um, like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know what Sunday's going to do if, like, you know, they're, the three authors that we just mentioned um, either retire or don't don't have no. a current series anymore. I mean, it, it feels like, I mean, right now, Sunday is kind of going through it because, like, a lot of um, this, they haven't actually, because, you know, like, Jump Magazine, they have new series all the time. You know, something sure. ends, something else comes in. Sunday right. has had a grand total of two new series this year. Uh, three, three, three new series this year. <laughs> and half the magazine has ended. Yeah, like you had, I mean, obviously Conan feels like at this point it's going to, we're going to end before it does. <laughs> so putting, <laughs> putting Conan aside and Takahashi just feels like she's just going to keep drawing stuff until she's just physically unable to. So because I thought after her last series, Rene, that she was going to maybe move to another magazine. But no, she came back with Mao. So, and Adachi, he's not in weekly Sunday anymore, but he's in Guess On monthly Sunday with Mix. So, oh. yeah, he's he's so he's still around. But um, and then yeah, like I guess another pillar would be Kazuhiro Fujita, who his series just recently ended Sobote, and already into the like TOC commentary of the issue where Sobote ended. He's already talking about starting his next thing. Wow. <laughs> so, so like it, it's it's an it's an interesting thing to think of it that way. But like yeah, Sunday doesn't have the same. I guess you could argue that yeah, Conan is kind of the pillar. But it's interesting to. See Think of it that way. Like Conan's got cultural re- relevance, but as far as sales, like Silver Spoon was selling better than Conan when it was in the magazine. So, like, but yeah, I mean, Conan's have Conan obviously has that you know cultural relevancy, and it's been running forever. So, like, it obviously, it, besides Silver Spoon, obviously, it'll be more remembered, even though. And it is unfortunate. Unfortunately, Silver Spoon didn't really do so well when it like made the leap over here. I I think it's probably the manga's. Is it still it's, being released? It, it ended. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got the last volume maybe about a year ago. Okay. No, I mean in the English release. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, it's done. Okay. Okay. Because yeah, I know the Japanese release has been done for a while. So yeah. So I mean, as far as Sunday goes, it's just kind of like it is interesting to think about it. Like now, what they're doing is they started one new series, 
Um, and now they had the rookies like a uh, competition. There's like oh. 60 rookies that they ran. And like now it seems like what they're doing is they're letting each one of those rookies run in the main magazine, kind of get, you know, more people to look at them because it was the competition was run online. So now I guess like the prize is to be able to run in the main magazine. And so at least for the next couple of months, they've just been running like one shots and letting the rookies run the magazine. A couple of artists like Yellow Tanabe, who did Kikaishi, she's mentioned wanting to do something new. So maybe she'll come back in Weekly Sunday. But yeah, it's like Sunday's really thin compared to its contemporaries. So it's always been discussing on the show, like, what are they going to do? And then another series is ending three weeks like oh yeah and i forgot another uh big name uh, takashi shina he's not really well known here but he did zetai karen children and that and recently Ghost Sweeper and, mikami yeah and go sweeper mikami and that recently ended <laughs> so like yeah it's it's been i i know i've been kind of browsing japanese like twitters and blogs and a lot of them are like kind of like what is something gonna do like they've had one new hit which viz is bringing over soon um so, oh, so no free, so, so no free or free run beyond. Journey's oh, end. yeah, yeah, that would have that, that won that, a couple of awards. Yeah, that's become a massive hit for Sunday. But like, I mean, beside and then, of course, Conan now doesn't run. It like runs for a couple of issues and it's gone for a month. <laughs> so like even it's not I mean, Conan's always there, but now it's not physically in the magazine most of the time, most of the year. So like it's. Sunday's in a very interesting um, thing. I mean, I know Free Run, they're overjoyed about that because now it's outselling most of the new Jump manga. I mean, definitely the veterans, obviously, it can't hold a candle to those now. But yeah. And of course, there's like series like Call of the Night that's that's doing pretty mm -hmm. well for in Sunday. So that's Comey doing. Comey can't communicate. Oh, yeah, yeah, Comey. How can I forget Comey? Like, <laughs> yeah, Comey's doing really well. I mean, with its anime coming up soon, it, it's doing well. Like, it's weird that they took so long to get an anime, but I'm always arguing with people about this because, <laughs> like, it's, I, 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 obviously, I don't have an insight on this, but, like, a lot of people think, oh, well, if Sunday wants more hits, like, wants more, you know, to be more successful, they should make more anime. But it's like, Shogakuen doesn't, the only party that decides that, <laughs> I, I don't see them telling anime studios, yeah, no, we don't want you anime stuff, go find somebody else. <laughs> I, I feel like there's something, like, to be fair, a lot of the Sunday and manga adaptations since Magi haven't really made a huge splash, so... That's the thing. And maybe studios are just like, yeah, we'd rather take our chance with Jump because they'll those things will print money. <laughs> but um, I don't know what that is because like Comey's been running since 2015 and it's just getting an anime six years later. <laughs> and the most recent another series that ran around the same time and is still running Sleepy Princess and uh, Demon's Castle. Yeah, Sleepy Princess and Demon's Castle also started the same year Comey did, and it only got an anime like. Yeah, this year. Was it this year? Yeah, this year, I believe. So, like, that, I mean, that did pretty, the manga sales are both, that's doing well. I mean, and it seems like the merchandise for Sleepy Princess is okay, it's doing okay, so I don't think it'll be going anywhere, but yeah, Comey's doing, Come, I guess if you wanted to say there's a big three in Sunday, it's probably Free Run, Comey, and um, Conan. So, that if we were to use it's not quite that equivalent because again Conan's not a magazine a lot so yeah well yeah no that makes sense i mean i don't know if this is something that's happening uh 
you know, just because it's summertime, it's Obon season, but um, like One Piece is not every week anymore. So yeah, like One Piece, I, I think I think Oda's been doing it for a couple of years was three weeks and then he takes a week off. Yeah, like, every fourth did, week is a break. Yeah, like he got really sick a while back and Shueisha wants to take care of their their <laughs> they want to take care of their money maker. So as I mean. they should. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, but I mean, it's different. To be fair, Aoyama is also kind of helping with a Conan spinoff, Zero's Tea Time. Though, as V-Lord and I have noted, like, he's basically drawing it himself. Like, Takahiro Arai is drawing it, but Arai often posts, like, sketches on Twitter, and most of them have been marked up by Aoyama, so it's hey, like... really? <laughs> yeah, so it's not even like Aoyama's, like, taking breaks on Conan. He's, like... I mean, I'm sure he's drawing Conan in the meantime, but he's also doing this spinoff too. So, have you been to? Um, well, speaking of that, well, the one thing that Gosho Aoyama and um, Kiro Taniguchi have in common is they're both um, sons of Totori Prefecture. Yes, yes, so. I know of the the Conan Manga Factory that's there. I haven't been there. I haven't been to Japan since 2015, and I really it's would cool, love actually. to go there. Oh, yeah, to go. It was, <laughs> it was a good little. It was a good little triangulation. Like I went there. And then I caught the train, and then I went to the Shigeru Mizuki town, uh, which was very worthwhile. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, and then I caught the Jiro Tanaguchi train. <laughs> oh, like nice. There, there's a train that has a Jiro Tanaguchi art all over it. So Totori um, Prefecture like, does this whole uh, promotion. Like There are places in Totori you should go to if you're a big fan of manga. You know, like the town where a distant neighborhood is based on, for example, or um, what else is there? Um, of course, the Mizuki town. And they have an annual uh, manga contest where they invite people from all over the world to, to um, enter, enter their manga stories. So they, very, they very much play up there. We are the home of manga creators, you know, Ooh. kind of thing. It's neat. Well, we have to obviously do an episode from their life at some point. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I've never even been to Japan, so... What? I, I have a lot to do. Tragedies! <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, we, we honestly, we had plans, but then, you know, quarantine. <laughs> yeah. So, so like... <sighs> yes, it's true. That's yeah, true. so that was, that was the plan, but yeah. But definitely, as much as fun as it is to talk about Sunday, I guess we should talk about this uh, feature presentation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I guess before we go into the main meat of Journal of My Father, I guess one last question. What is your history with Jiro Tanaguchi, Dub? Ooh, okay. Uh, well, not too much. I mean, I look, uh, one of my friends is uh, Stephen Robeson. He is the publisher of Fanfare Ponetmon. And um, he he is basically the the de facto publisher of Jiro Taniguchi in English nowadays. Viz, for example, published Hotel Harborview and a couple other things. Ben K in New York, uh, very pretty early on, but since then they haven't. So Stephen from Fanfare has been making it his mission to publish as much of uh, Jiro Taniguchi's work in English as he can. Um, which is a pretty, um, it's a big undertaking for him because he is just, you know, a very small publisher based in England. Um, mm. So, I, you know, so I, for a period of time, like I was, I was kind of feeling like Stephen wasn't 
was kind of in over his head. (laughs) (laughs) Insofar as that, like, he's based in England, so he's not able to do the comic shows to get those books in front of people, right? And so one day I told him, you know, you should actually be selling your books at, like, the indie comic shows, like, um, like, uh, what's one? Like, like TCAF, or you should sell them at um, SPX, Small Press Expo, or at mm, right. 8 and stuff like that, right? Because that's when you'd, you'd put it in front of people who like artistic, interesting manga. And he said, great, why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so for a period of time, like, I, would, I would buy booth space, and I would sit behind the booth, and I would tell people, this is amazing. You should buy it. <laughs> and then after about a year of that, I, you know, doing that, I said, Stephen, you need to hire somebody who, who has the time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he got another person who has comic book experience, man booth, and left the books around and get it out there. But for a period of time, you know, I, I guess the lesson is uh, be careful what you say, because you might have to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> That's me. That's us in this podcast. It was a joke, and, <laughs> and then I was just like, "Well, Velour, if you tell me how to edit, I'll edit it." That's how this happened. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's all good, right? And I'd rather be someone who does something than someone who says, "Man, it sucks that nobody does something." Yeah, oh, somebody should do something. Ah, why does the world suck? Because people. <laughs> so at least you know, I'm I'm trying to, whenever possible, do something. <laughs> That was just a case where, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, I, I worked in retail for many years when I was going to college. I'm not, I'm not adverse to standing behind a table and selling books. And it's not hard to sell a Jiro Taniguchi books because I truly do like them a lot. I think he's an amazing draftsman. I think he's a, a wonderful storyteller. And, you know, Stephen, I think is, you know, he's, he has a lot, takes a lot of pride in how he, publishes his books. Um, he makes sure that they, they are nicely presented, um, that the translation's good. And, you know, I think just the only, you know, I, I have a soft spot for the underdog. So I, I want him to do well, even though, I, you know, he's not like a huge publisher. I think he has his heart in the right place. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess to be honest, like I hadn't really heard about uh, Fanfare Ponemon until like last year. But once I heard, like, they had published so many Jiro Taniguchi works, like, that immediately got me interested because I know that he is a very prolific author and he has done a lot of really great stuff. So that's made me a lot more, uh, I guess, enticed to, like, start collecting all of his stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess the only main downside to me, and I think also Sakaki, given his limited space, is, like, a lot of his works just aren't available digitally in English, so... It's sometimes hard to find shelf space. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the story is with that. I'm not sure whether it's something where Stephen just can't can't handle, you know, a digital publishing program, you know, managing that stuff, or whether it is a case kind of like Takihiko Inoue where, or No Kurosawa where they feel pretty strongly that their work should be seen only in print. Like this is how what it was how it was created to be presented. Um, this is how we want it to be. Um, there are manga artists who are like that. I mean, I think um, George Morikawa from Pretty Hard to Equal until many years recently. like that. And yeah. he still kind of feels, has mixed feelings about it. You know, like I saw pictures of him showing the book and he's like, he was kind of basically grumbling. He's like, you know, there's not, 
you're not going to get the same effect from a phone, reading this on a phone. And I respect that a lot. But so as far as like, you know, why fanfare books aren't in digital, I don't know whether it's a Jiro Taniguchi thing decision or a fanfare decision. A little bit too bad. But, you know, I think I think what maybe the lesson is for all of us is if you love this work, please buy it. <laughs> um, it he may not reprint it once the first one, first one or two print runs are out. He will continue. He will try to keep them in print, but do but support them whenever you, because it it really matters and it really makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is actually my first Jiro Taniguchi purchase. So, like oh, specifically, yeah? yeah, this is like I can't say I'm definitely a shonen meathead. I'm gonna admit that right now in my <laughs> <laughs> so like shonen manga is where I basically built my house and I live. <laughs> but I am trying now that we're. Shogakukan stuff. I am trying to get into more to other avenues, and yeah, I bought this for the show, thinking, yeah, you know, it's not available digitally. Vlor did warn me, <laughs> but um, sorry, man, <laughs> it's fine. And Vlor came by here for a while, so like he knows I have zero space in my house, <laughs> but like it, it was still worthwhile read, and I'm glad I bought it. And it's a very nice book, like hardcover. The pages are really nice. I haven't seen a release like this, like ever honestly oh wow <laughs> so like i was very impressed with the quality of it so and it was a publisher i didn't and i'm glad that you guys talked about the publisher because i didn't know who they were <laughs> oh yeah he's a steven is a is quite a character <laughs> you'll if you you he only comes for san Diego comic-con um because oh, okay. it's quite a journey for him but if you ever buy a book from him you will probably get a nice you'll probably get a big warm hug from him and he will talk your ear off in a very charming British man kind of way. Oh, man, I guess uh, we have to go to San Diego Comic-Con, then. Yeah, we do, because I, I definitely use that. <laughs> He's a sweetheart. You, he, 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 will be, he, will, he will be eternally grateful, and he will point you towards great books. And he doesn't just publish Jiro Taniguchi books. He also publishes some really interesting ones. Um, let's see. Did you ever read Disappearance Diary? I have not. I am familiar with it, but I have never read it. Uh, I think it's like Hideo Azuma. Uh, Yeah, Hideo Azuma. He's like the kind of the father of Lolicon manga. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Um, But he he went and decided that he he just got burned out. And he just decided to become a homeless person. And and that's his diary of being a homeless. And it's both funny and and interesting and just just eye-opening because he can't help but draw funny gag comics um and he's he he laughs about it like oh yeah this is kind of fictionalized ha 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 but you know there's some real things about being a homeless person in there it's it's an amazing book Oh, okay. Yeah, I definitely have to read it now. Yeah, yeah. I think he has another one called Doing Time uh, about a manga artist who went to jail for um, having an unlicensed air rifle or something. And so it's this this manga artist's diary of what it's like to be in a Japanese jail. And it is fascinating. Wow. Yeah, tons of stuff. Like if you look at at Fanfare, there are a bunch of books – that are just so unique and so wonderful. And it's, so it's more than the Jiratani Gucci books. If you, if you do, do take the time to check out the rest of Calic, I swear not, there's, there's no clunkers there. It's good stuff. Okay. Definitely going to take a look at that. Yeah, definitely. 
But I guess going into Journal of My Father finally. Oh, oh, just as in this, <laughs> just as just as I, I swear to you, just as in, uh, while we were talking, I looked it up on Amazon Japan, and Journal of My Father is available in Kindle. So, oh. it is, <laughs> so it is definitely not Tanaguchi. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Okay, but yes, let's finally get to <laughs> Journal of My Father. <laughs> Yeah, so to describe it for people that aren't familiar with it, Journal of My Father is about a man named Yoichi Yamashita that after over a decade's absence, he finally decides to return back to his hometown to attend his father's funeral. And while there, he learns a lot about his father that he didn't know and kind of reflects on his feelings about his childhood with his father. And I knew going into this that it was going to be emotional because I I'd listened to the manga explaining episode about it and just everything Deb has said about it on everything she's been on uh but it really hit in a way that I was not expecting um I mean I guess to give personal experiences about myself uh my father raised me and my sibling uh from a good chunk of our lives as a single parent um mm. and I definitely felt like I kind of related a lot to Yoichi's experiences about how he felt about his father growing up um and it's really interesting how the manga kind of dives into that perspective how like there are things about your parents you don't notice growing mm. up that in reflection as an adult you kind of realize why it might be that way and I'm not sure if like either of you two can speak to that but I think that was the first thing that really stood out to me here yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that. Um, I think it's, I think particularly, this is very much a seinen manga, which means it's for adult readers, right? And it's not for, an, it, it's not a seinen manga in the sense that there's a lot of violence or sex. There is neither of those <laughs> in this manga. <laughs> not in the traditional sense of the word. I mean, there's a very, there's a terrible fire. Um, but it's very, it's a very grown up point of view. I think it's something that would it would be hard for uh, someone who's very young to appreciate um, because the feelings that the protagonist has comes from an adult point of view where you're like, I'm an adult. Um, I had this past with I had this past. Um, here's what I understood when I was here's what I thought was going on or here's how I thought. Here's my understanding of it from based on from when I was a kid. But now that I'm an adult, I can and I can, I'm ready to hear, I'm ready or able to hear the other side, you know, like you're having to understand who your parents are as fellow adults mm. who maybe made mistakes, who maybe had it hard that your parent, that your parents are not, are neither, you not the authority over your lives anymore, even though they have a huge influence on, you. but now you have to kind of look, you, it gives you another perspective on what they went through. Yeah, I, I definitely got that. I mean, I knew from, again, listening to what Deb had to say and, you know, um, some other impressions that I've seen of the, of the book that it was going to be emotional. And I mean, I wish I could have been as emotional about it, but I, I, <laughs> I mean, I definitely I was saying this to V-Lord before we started recording. It's definitely not Tanaguchi. It, it, I, I would never I wouldn't say that, oh, he just failed as a writer and it. No, it, it's it's interesting that this kind of book does strike at an emotional core or personal experience core 
that I find really interesting that, I mean, obviously with any monk, anybody could read different people read and have different impressions of it. But I mean, my personal experience is unfortunately I didn't have the best of dads. (laughs) So like, um, maybe something that would have hit more emotionally for somebody else who had that, you know, kind of, um, familial bond growing up would feel differently than me. But as a, I guess just to look at it from a single parent point of view, yeah, I, my mom did do a lot of the heavy lifting when I was a kid with my three younger sisters. So from that point of view, I can kind of, I did gain, kind of glean kind of a, okay, yeah, this is something I've experienced um, and something that I can relate to. But, um, and of course, I'll go more into this later. I more looked at it as a kind of thing of like, okay, not so much that this is not what I would do if I were a father, but more thing of like okay i could this is how my kids might perceive me oh. and that's that's something and there might be some things that can't be helped because depending on your personality there there's only so much you can do about the person you are innately but there are things that maybe i can try to you know keep in mind that hey what i think how i might perceive myself may not be how my children or other people even perceive me yeah, I think that it's interesting because if you have you read the other his other book that's slightly similar, uh, A Distant Neighborhood. I've not. Me neither. I recommend you do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, and then, we're, and then we're you'll both. see you'll you'll see some some uh, similar threads, but uh, it's handled very very differently. Um, a distant neighborhood is more like the the it's still a uh, man who uh, goes back, he goes back to his parents' grave and then he kind of like falls asleep or whatever. And the next thing he knows, he is back to when he was 11 or 12 and his, his family is still together, but it is that moment right before his, when his father leaves the family, like abandons the family. And so he kind of like tries to, tries to, tries to stop him. But the, the whole the whole course of the story, and then there's also the part that he's he's a middle aged man in an eleven year old's body, right? So he's like, ah, oh, he goes to the bar. He's like, ah, oh, I needed this drink, <laughs> and then he gets really drunk, and then like, and then he's kind of wise for his age, and then so the girls kind of think, ooh, he's cool. All of a sudden, he's cool, right? And so all these things happen where he has the sensibility and memories of an adult, but he's a kid, and, and so that at the end, the other thing like he thinks. He, it's very similar to his journal of my father in that he comes to some realization about his father and his father's motivations and what was really going on in a way that he didn't understand when he was a kid. But it, with this, this neighborhood has more of that a bit, you know, like and big with Tom Hanks <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of twist to it and kind of there's more comedy, there's more time travel and a, a really great a really great ending <laughs> that we probably got, oh wow. So it's well, more hey. it's more fanciful. This uh, journal, of my father's, I think, a little bit more grounded in reality. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it now, and hey, V Lord, it's big comics, so <laughs> we could. Yeah, technically... I had it on my list for the future, so clearly we need to move it up on the priorities. You can check and... it out because there's also a there's a Belgian movie adaptation. Yeah, of it. I'm seeing that oh, here wow. too. Yeah, there's a yeah, it was a yeah a live action film. Uh, yeah, live action French Belgian film in 2010. So yeah, uh, okay, that's definitely something we could 
And if you don't mind being back on, Deb, we will talk to you about it <laughs> when we get around to it. Okay. Yeah, I love his work. Um, there was also um, an animated, French animated version of Summit of the Gods coming out. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, that Jiro Taniguchi is kind of like, um, like he, he's considered kind of a god in, in French comic circles because his work is very similar to, has very bande dessinée type influences. Mm, yeah, definitely. So he's, he's the, I have a book here from uh, Casterman, a French publisher. It's like The Art of Jiro Taniguchi, beautiful coffee table type book. Um mm. And there was a big exhibit. You know, he's very respected in French comics. And unfortunately, he died before he could ever come to an American. Anyone could convince him to come to an American show. Um, but he's just, yeah, it's, it's really that night and day kind of thing, right? Where in France, his work is really well known and his art's really well known. But here, you know, he's published by probably one of, one of the smaller manga publishers out there. So go figure, right? Yeah. yeah it was interesting actually reading the afterword by Tanaguchi in this and like there's a part where he mentions that uh one of his editors at big comic was mentioning while like drawing this that like he should deviate from like the framework of like comics being like equally entertaining and just like draw what he wants mm -hmm. um, yeah yeah i found that really interesting. interesting that yeah i found that really interesting you're like don't worry about how it sells just just do you. <laughs> and, wow. And I, I like that. It, it kind of sums up the Shogaku Khan, like kind of not, I won't say it. It's kind of like their, it, it seems like I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that that's their friendship effort victory. Cause obviously they do want things to sell, but mm -hmm. it does kind of come off like that sometimes with like, especially like a big comic and Shonen Sunday where it's just like, we just want the authors to do what comes to them. And uh, reading that and it was really interesting. Just say, you know, just draw something that's personal for you. You know, don't worry about it selling. Wow. Yeah. And like, even though like, technically this isn't like in autobiography of Tanaguchi, it's very clear that like, he's basing elements of his own life and reflecting into like Yoichi's story, which is interesting. Yeah, I think you could also, I think we talked about this on Manga's Plane, but also Zoo in Winter is also quite autobiographical. But if you think about it in the terms of Journal of My Father, it's maybe that it's the what Yoichi was, what Yoichi went through after he graduated when he went away for, to college and got his first job. Mm -hmm. But instead, yeah. it's it's about manga being becoming a manga artist. Oh yeah, oh. no, I'm looking, I'm looking at the summary, and yeah, this is the Hamaguchi's an 18 year old who's in a graphic artist, and yeah, Yoichi did do that. So, hmm. It'd be interesting. It's interesting if you when you read a distant neighborhood, Zoo in Winter, and Journal My Father, and you can see them as being related, but not. <laughs> yeah, like they're potentially just fragments of Tanaguchi's self, like implanted into each one. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's a he, there's a short story that's only currently only available in French, but it's a collection of short stories about pets, uh, dogs and cats, and um, that's when you see. Uh, it's about Jiro's, uh, Taniguchi and his wife, the relationship with their dogs. And that is very much like what you see in Journal My Father with his relationship with his dog, K K Koro. Oh, yes. Koro oh, yes. and Chiro. Yeah. 
Yeah, the stuff with the dogs really hit me too. Like <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> especially the second dog with the whole part about like him abandoning the dog and yeah, his dad taking of... care of it so that like when he comes back he can see like, oh hey, your dog's okay. <laughs> oh, that 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 was just like Yoichi. I was like, why? <laughs> just... <sighs> uh, yeah, that that and then having yeah. the the thing with the stepmother, like, and I, I like that it was the way that that was handled. Like, you know, she tried her best to kind of fit into the family. She never she was kind of like his advocate, despite him kind of like brushing her aside. Like, you're not my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> but like when he didn't want to, you know, when it was deciding his future, like um, she was kind of more of his advocate there. Yeah, I, I feel that was another part that, like, was very relatable to me. Yeah? <laughs> like, Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, like, I, I have a stepmother. Uh, my dad remarried, like, when I was in high school. And, like, even though I felt, like, very much in my childhood, like, we didn't necessarily have, like, a close relationship. She was always very supportive of what I was doing. Aww. But because I didn't have much attachment to my birth mother... I was kind of afraid of, like, reattaching myself to my stepmother, which kind of made me also relate to Yoichi here, where Yoichi's trying to run away from, like, his whole family life through, like, initial, like, track and then moving away, because he doesn't want to, like, face the change that's going on in his life. It's, like, it's really weird, because, like, there, there are very few manga that I think really reach to me on this level that's almost uncomfortable, but not... Wow. Yeah, that's really... I didn't know that. <laughs> as long as we've talked, like, you've mentioned stuff like this, but never, I've never knew that part. Like, yeah. Like, it's like, a, like a, to go on a tangent here, uh, why Blood on the Tracks is so fascinating to me, because that uh, mother-son relationship, that's very unhealthy, because <laughs> that's what I had with my birth mother. Like, my birth mother was mentally ill, uh, very abusive, um, so, like, it's it's this thing where, like, manga like this, it's really interesting to me because it probably isn't the best thing to read something that hitting so close to home. But at the same time, I can't stop reading it because it's just so fascinating. Yeah, right. yeah, you had that sense of, like, seeing yourself in the manga. And now that we've been talking about some of J Jiro Taniguchi's works... I will say I, I'm definitely way more interested in him now than I was before. And I definitely want to read. Um, uh, let me see. What was the title again? Oh, Distant Neighborhood, because that sounds more like something I would relate to more. Not not to say the journal of my father was bad, because unfortunately, mm -hmm. in this story, there was a lot of revelations about from other family members about how, you know, oh, well, your dad was wasn't as bad as you thought. And, you know, or well, not even to put it that way, but to just put it in the sense, like, there's a side to him that you didn't know. And yeah. this is what we know. Unfortunately, in a lot of the things that they revealed that, you know, his dad was just very quiet, taciturn, but he was always worried about him, always concerned about him. Fortunately, when 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 it comes to my relatives, every time I think every new thing I found about my dad is worse than the thing before it. <laughs> so <laughs> so like it, it's. It, yeah, unfortunately, that side of things. And I mean, I will admit, and I, I feel bad saying this a little bit, but like, I, I will admit there was 
some parts of it where I just like, mm, I, I get that maybe not everybody's very talkative or very sh- they're sharing. I'm like, you, you know, his dad could have just sat him down and had a conversation with him. And maybe a few of these things would have been cleared up. And I guess this is just looking at it from my pres- my um, experience, where it's like I, maybe some things with my dad would have been better if he had talked to me. <laughs> so maybe in that way I did connect to it. But like, yeah, I could definitely see the point of view where it is like, okay, you know, it, it, it kind of falls on Yoichi a bit to pushing everybody away. And I, I like how Vilor said that it more or less is a thing where he's just not prepared for all the changes that are happening. So rather than try to learn from them or embrace them, he just sort of shoves them away and gets far away from and tries to get as far away from them as possible. And to some, yeah, I get that that's what Yoichi's like coping me- mechanism was. But I guess in a way, it did feel like sometimes they were kind of like, I guess being a kind of being a, his dad's apologist a little. And I mean, I, I wouldn't say so much that took away from my enjoyment of the story or that I don't understand where they're coming from, but it did feel like that a bit. And again, it's probably colored by my per, my personal experience, because, of course, the people on my dad's side of the family are like, he's not that bad once you get used to him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> so like so that kind of hit me when they were when all the family members were like saying oh you're especially at the end where the uncle was like do you know what he went through do you understand him no you didn't and like that kind of hit me in a way it was like like my dad's family kind of trying to apologize for some of the things he did that were not i mean of course yoishi's dad was nowhere near as bad but mm-hmm. like yeah it did hit me in that well it's like yeah i mean i guess i get where you guys are coming from but it still doesn't change how i feel and I know maybe the uncle wasn't trying to change how Yoichi feels. He was just explaining things. But like, yeah, it did come off a bit like it was like, well, get off your high horse, you know, and you should feel differently about it. You know, that I, I guess that kind of left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. But like, see, I didn't necessarily view it as like uh, the uncle, I guess, Daisuke, like trying to absolve like uh, Yoichi's father of like any bad thing that he did. But I think just proving the fact that, like, he was human. He made mistakes like anyone else. And, like, he was in a tough position where he was raising these two kids on his own. And he kind of had to focus on survival rather than maybe being more commutative with his kids. Which I felt was pretty realistic. You know, keep in mind that's not a given, you know? Like, in, like in, I don't know, if you probably you probably understand this, but... In Japanese values, <laughs> um, it's you know like you 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 come on you know you endure you endure in silence you don't whine you uh, you make the best of it and you don't a big thing about Japanese culture for example is like is not making other people uncomfortable yeah not mm-hmm. burdening other people with your feelings or uh, your desires like you're you need to you're trying to be mindful of other people's needs first. So like what I was kind of telling in the, in our manga spin episode is like my, you know, like I, I know some people have relatives and grandparents and fa- you know, mothers and fathers who sit them down and tell them all kinds of stories about when I was a young boy, blah, 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 you know, or when I did this and when this happened, your mother and I, we blah, blah, blah. I didn't have any of those stories. <laughs> Yeah, and see, that that was the same for me, too. Like, yeah. I never had a personal talk-to-talk with my father as a kid. Like, yeah. he was very kind of shut off from me. He was, like, focused on work, making money, 
uh, making sure we had food on the table. And it wasn't until I really forced conversations with him as an adult that I actually saw him like show emotion, cry, yeah. uh, open up about his past. Like there's still mm. things I'm learning today about him yeah. from like when he was like a teen or like a young adult that I never had heard of before. And it, it's really mm. weird. I'm, I'm not sure if that's also maybe just like a thing in like Indian culture too, because I'm Indian. Mm. And because uh, like it's also a thing like. For Indians, we don't really talk about mental health. We don't talk too much about emotions. It's kind of just like, suck yeah, it up, yeah. do your thing, uh, you. make a living. It's your, it's your duty as a parent to make sure your kids are fed and have a house. And you know, you just got to power through. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and it's your duty as a child to, you know, venerate that and look at all the things I... Yeah, it's the same. I mean, I'm Nigerian. <laughs> you don't you don't talk about mental health you don't you don't you're not supposed to feel bad i did all the i mean the parent i mean i know i sound kind of dismissive but like it's the parents are like yeah i felt bad so you don't have to so what's your problem feeling bad right now? right and that's, that's not productive either right and that's where the, that's where the hurt feelings come because yeah you feel like you never really get get that connection mm. uh and that with i think the sadness that come for me comes for me from journal of my father is that feeling of an opportunity lost forever yeah you know that opportunity to have that relationship and to have that kind of uh you know be friends or you know be able to talk to each other as fellow adults without getting upset you know you know that there's all this hurt from the past yeah mm. it's tough i think you know but you know how you your parents shape who you are and how you feel about things they they give you strength, but they also give you some really tough, soft spots that can really, um, you know, cause you make it difficult as you go through life. You know, so yeah, no, I, it's a big responsibility being a parent. <laughs> yeah, if there's nothing else we can walk away from, that that's one thing I feel like we can. And again, that's something I kind of was thinking about as I go through it because, like, um, I mean. I don't know if I ever will be. I mean, it's looking likely that maybe, but like I thought about that just reading through it, like from the point of view of, I think Taniguchi does a good job of just showing both points of view, like whether it is through the stories that his father, that his relatives say about, talk about his father and then his perspective as a child growing up and not only having a part of this from his perspective, you know, because um, yeah, me too. I, even when my dad was around, he was, kind of a temperamental type so really talking to him was kind of hit or miss you you catch him on a good day then it's good but on a bad day it's bad so like i don't really you know even the bad things that i'm finding out now as an adult are still things that's like i you know i never really had that conversation even with my mom raising me, mm -hmm. i never really it's only as an adult that i actually started asking really asking questions because yeah she did the single parent thing where it's just like she chose survival and i mean as much as sometimes we have our you know uh issues on how on how to approach things i'm very much introverted my mom is very much outgoing and out there oh, wow. um <clears throat> it is something that it it was kind of hard to talk to her about these kinds of things because you know and one thing i do feel bad about sometimes it's like yeah i mean i'm not going to try to hide my age. I'm ancient, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 40 soon. And my mom has expressed some the regret that she was like, 
you know, when you were growing up, when you were in college, because my dad left when he, when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, she was like, yeah, I wish that when you were 20s or when you were in your teenage years or in your 20s that I had encouraged you guys to go date and everything like that. Because now, you know, you I, I just got my first girlfriend five years ago. <laughs> So, and, you know, that's the thing that she regrets. I mean, part of real big part of Nigerian culture is that by now I should have a kid that's like maybe, maybe if not going to high school, like leaving middle school, you know, for me to be starting this late, like that was a big concern of hers. It's like everybody. I have an uncle who he's in is about to be 60 and his oldest kid isn't done with high school yet. So like that was a big big concern of hers i mean eventually she just learned well i i can't make you kids do <laughs> things that she don't want to do <laughs> but <It's> very modern <laughs> yeah she, I mean, my, my mom's catching up <laughs> like she still has a lot of those like my sisters have issues with it because she's still very much very much nigerian when it comes to how women are supposed to act <laughs> but, Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> but at least for i mean because in nigerian culture and it's supposed to, you know, you leave the man alone. Like, my mom never asked me any questions. When I say something, uh, she'll listen. When my sister wow. says something, she'll kind of not listen to them. But if I say the Whoa. same thing they say, if I say the same thing they say, then she'll she'll listen to me. Because as the man, as the firstborn son and the man, like, wow. what I say, or what I think, like, has a whole lot more power than you know my sisters and everything like that but yeah doing the you know getting back on topic but yeah there are some regrets that she has too that she wished she could have been more open with us about dating and getting out there in the world because like a lot of things like my oldest sister and i she's um she'll she's 35 now and um both of us really didn't do a lot of the things you'd expect as a teenager until our late 20s (laughs) because we were so focused on survival as the Yoichi's dad was in, in, you know, Journal of My Father. So that sure. part I did kind of, you know, relate to. Yeah, I think that's a, a special book. And that, you know, like the conversation we're having now, right? Um, like, this is about probably, probably the most uh, I've talked to you guys. I mean, uh, we talk on Twitter maybe a little bit, but, you know, this is a real conversation. But the fact mm-hmm. that this book inspires us to share in a way, that's quite, it, that's quite uh, personal. I think it's pretty special yeah i agree with that yeah i agree like i think some of my favorite manga i guess comics out there are the ones that like i'm still thinking about after reading it for like days on end <laughs> and like this, yeah. this definitely fits into that category because like yeah it it really makes you kind of just think about like your own life and like is there anything here that relates to you yeah yeah, and not just from the point of, uh, you know, Yoichi's father, but just in general, like, and not just for me, in general, not just for kids, even. in general, it's just the thing of, like, how do people perceive you? Like, when you're not around, what is mm. the first thought that somebody has about you? Or people that do know you really well, what do they, what do they, what do they really know of you? And I, I found it really just interesting that a lot of the story was told through you know, other people. It wasn't a kind of thing where the storytelling wasn't done through like a long flashback. It was flashbacks, but it was through other people and Yoichi learning from learning his father through that avenue rather than, you know, a straight up just storytelling of, you know, he, he's born, his dad and, you know, and, and yeah. we get to the ending. So like, that's all that got me thinking. Oh, 
yeah. Yeah, there's definitely nothing. There's not not no type of plot device like a letter that he he sees like addressed to him from his passed away father. There's nothing like a past like uh like like a distant neighbor who would go back in time and he can confront his father and have a and ask him questions. Why are you doing this? You know, this is everything as you're saying. None. What he never gets is the words straight from his father's mouth. Yes. Yeah, that's that, and I and I actually really think that's more um, that's more effective than it is if he sat down with his dad and the whole manga was just him and his dad talking, and then maybe his dad passes away. The right. fact that he has, he doesn't have that ability to really have that closure with his dad, where he could say, and I mean, probably even though my you know experience is different, the one thing that did hit me really hard is that at the end where he's like crying because he realizes you know he's learned all this about his father and. Whether you think that he was a bad son or not a bad son, the fact that he's not able to have closure, mm-hmm. he, it, it, you know, he can, in his mind, he can kind of be like, you know, I'm sorry, Dad, but he, it's never going to be a thing where he can approach his father and say, listen, I heard everything and I'm so sorry mm-hmm. for what I did. And I, and I like that it, instead of, we don't get that kind of closure. I mean, I'm a big fan of bittersweet endings and stories, uh-huh. so I love those. But, like, yeah, I, I just really, that hit me kind of hard because he'll never be able to get that now from his father. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, the ending's literally, like, just, like, him and his wife being like, hey, let's come back to the countryside again. Like, it, yeah. It's kind of, like, bittersweet in that way where it's like, yeah, like, there's still these lingering regrets he has and those aren't going to, like, magically go away. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure, but if I forgot to check, but I don't know if Journal of My Father was written before A Distant Neighborhood. Uh, um, I can have a look, see. That's like, because there's similar themes, but it feels like A uh, Distant Neighborhood is, is like a much more satisfying uh, entertainment story. Let's put it oh, that no. Way. Journey of the Father was 94, Distant mm-hmm. Neighborhood was 98. So this came first. Yeah. So go ahead and read A Distant Neighborhood, and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> but there's some similar themes, but it, it is much more entertaining. Journal of My Father Happy Edition. <laughs> well, it's, it's not necessarily happy, but it's, it's, got tw- it's got plot twists that make you think, oh, I didn't expect that. Or like, oh, this is manga. You know, like, you know how manga kind of has uh, fancifulness to it? Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, I mean, definitely that would be something I would read. Also, I, I wanted to point out something that was interesting to me, too, is that Yoichi barely says anything. He's kind of just, like, going along for the ride. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, you get a couple yeah, and Oh, that happened? Or I like yeah. that he's not really the protagonist in his own story. It is. This mm. is a, a story about his dad. <laughs> it isn't about him at all. It's just mm-hmm. sort of there. <laughs> you could have... I mean, yeah, he's important, but like you could almost have this story without him. You could just have a bunch of people just kind of talking about this, you know, this father who passed away, and that could be the story, you know. But Yoichi, he's important, but he's not like essential, I guess. <laughs> I think if you look at it though, it's what's interesting. The tragedy is that they are very much alike. Yes. Mm. And I think yes. that's where where the part of it that maybe makes it resonate is that. Their misunderstandings, um, the way that they relate to each other, is because they're very much alike. Like, even as much as he kind of, you know, you know kind of feels a little distant from his father, just kind of like maybe disowns him slightly emotionally. Um, he never 
I think it has, he comes to some kind of realization that he is his father's son. Yeah, and they kind of directly confront that at the end of the manga, too, where, like, Yuichi's kind of talking to his wife, and he's like, yeah, I I kind of, like, realized this, that I was kind of like my father, and I wanted to, like, reject that, because I didn't want to have the life that he had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in a way, like, he kind of still ended up doing that by, like, isolating himself from his family in the same way that his father did to him. <laughs> Because, yeah, that is, yeah, I actually didn't really think about it that way. I, I mean, I took it at face value that, you know, his wife saying, you're just like your dad. And, you know, I uh. took that at face value, but I didn't really think about the deeper implication of that, which is that, yeah, he really did just, as much as he, you know, there is that old saying, you know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and by not really, you know, taking, I won't say so much not learning from his dad, but by choosing instead to avoid the issues that he's having with his father, he was doomed to repeat them. <laughs> and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised too, is, you know, that well said outright in the story that his father regrets not really having that kind of relationship with him. But it, it is because they're so similar that, you know, at the same time, this is something I think about too, is that to stop his father from going to see him. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, like, I think that they they bring this up that um, at one time, traveling to Tori to, to, to from Tokyo is a long journey. Ah, uh, yeah. But then only recently he could catch a plane, and look how look how easy it is to catch a plane. <laughs> so true. there's that aspect of it. Um, I think the other that I think I mentioned this in the manga spin episode, but part of what what made it kind of hit a soft spot for me is that. Uh, I'm far. I'm quite. I'm far away from home. Um, I live in Oakland, California. Most of my family's in Hawaii. It's a five-hour flight away. Um, you know, you. It's. I have no regrets moving away from Hawaii. I got a lot of. A lot of the world opened up to me. I. I love the career I have now. But there's always kind of a sense of sadness, you know, that you're not around your family. You're not there to see your nieces and nephews grow up. And when you do visit, they're like, "Oh, hi. Who are you?" You know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> and then you know you watch your your parents and your uncles and your aunts get older and you, you get busy and the time you go home is when it's for funerals mostly like you, as you get older you mm. go home for more funerals than you do weddings and it's a it's a it's a sad feeling yeah i mean and it's kind of the inevitability of life honestly because like and it's a thing where you can tell yourself no that won't be me i'm always gonna be because i live like literally 10 minutes from my mom right now Good for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to move out of state as soon as I figure out where I want to go. But like, yeah, I've always lived around my sisters and my mom like my entire life. Like right now, I could probably it, it wouldn't take, if I hopped in the car now and while recording, I could probably get there before we get finished and be at my mom's house. So. Do not take that for granted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like on one hand, it's like I would like to get a little further away because I haven't i've been where i've been my whole life so it would be nice to go somewhere else and honestly my mom's encouraging it too but she has her own selfish reasons for it because she's like yeah and i can go see other states if my kids go live there <laughs> so that's sweet so that's that's her I'd rather have reason that than the, i'd rather have that than the opposite which is no never leave me <laughs> i mean that uh, well my mom is sundere so she'll she'll say that she'll no go somewhere but she no she doesn't because my my actually one of my youngest sisters 
sisters is moving in like a couple weeks as much as she's acting like it doesn't bother her she's very it does very much like it does a whole lot but she'll never say that to her (laughs) so Mm -hmm. she she loves she loves having everybody nearby even if like her and my sisters fight like often (laughs) but yeah it, it is like thinking of it from that point of view of course as somebody who hasn't really gone that far from i haven't experienced that yet but yeah and uh, with a lot of my family in nigeria i've i'm always hearing about weddings and funerals even though i i myself have never been to a wedding just full disclosure <laughs> but uh. i've never been to a funeral either <laughs> but um yeah it, it is just kind of like as much as you can tell yourself no that's not gonna be always gonna have time for everybody and then you do you do you do get busy you do you know i mean i went to nigeria for the first time and since i i the last time i went i i didn't have front teeth so Whoa. Uh, oh, i geez. went for the i went for the first time in 2017 as an adult and wow. you know i i met a lot of my little cousins that i didn't even know they existed <laughs> and they didn't know they knew of me because family would talk about you know they're doing this and all of that stuff but um I didn't know about them. So I've met a bunch of little cousins, a bunch of uh, relatives I didn't know anything about. And, you know, I've met my great grandma, uh, my grandma for the first time in a long time, too. So much wow. so that she didn't recognize me. <laughs> but the first Ouch. thing she said, <laughs> the first thing she did, though, because, like, I mean, tangent a little bit is just like um, when I went to my grandma's house and on on that note too i forgot to see the neighborhood where my mom and uncle grew up but uh when i first went to my grandma's house of course she didn't recognize me and i was there at my uncle and my uncle was trying to play it up like oh no this is just my friend from the states he was interested in seeing nigeria but then my other uncle came in the room just like hey it's him he's here look it's your grandson and so my grandma looked up at me and she looked she looked she kind of she kind of um she kind of um squinted and she was like it is him and she the first thing she says come sit on my lap and i'm like grandma i'm gonna destroy you i'm 30 years old and that's gonna that's not gonna be good for either one of us you're like pushing 90 (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) she's the first thing she was like she patted the lap i don't really she speaks yoruba and i don't so i don't understand what she's saying and she doesn't understand what i'm saying but she just patted her lap come sit down (laughs) And, and i'm like no that there's no way you're going to be able to sustain my weight <laughs> it's just so like and everybody's like so i'm basically hovering over her lap <laughs> like because oh. <laughs> i i don't want to and it's the kind of thing and i mean the last time my mom went you know getting back on subject a little bit is that mm-hmm. my grandma is aware of her mortality because like you know my mom mm-hmm. went to visit a couple of months ago and she was just like you know my mom was getting ready to go back to come back to the u.s and she was like, you know, I'm just afraid that you'll go and I won't see you again. And yeah, that that I mean, even hearing a second account from my mother like that, that did kind of hit because like my grandma knows most of her friends are gone. I've already passed away. Like, I mean, of course, she has our relatives looking after her and everything like that. But of course, they have their lives to live. And it's just a thing where it's just like, you know, I don't know. At any time I could just be gone and that could be the last time I see you. Yeah. So, and you know, going to Yoichi, yeah, I'm sure that's a thing that you you always get this idea of your parents. I mean, even my mom, she's now pushing, she's now mid sixties, so mm-hmm. you always think, oh no, my parents will, you know, I can always go talk to, do whatever, whether you're on good terms with them or not. But then, yeah. there's, you know, what this 
story kind of illustrates is that, you know, there they are people that make mistakes and they're not immortal. So treasuring that time with them, which is something I'm sure Yoichi wish he had done, you know, is important. Yeah, there's a website. Um, there's something like, this is a really morbid little website. You, you put down your age, you put down your parents, and you put down how many times you generally see them a year. You hit, hit you press a button, and it'll tell you how many more times you'll get to see your parents before they die. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's, it's a... It's a it, it, if nothing else, it makes you run to the airport, airport, you know, airline website. Go, I'm gonna make up. I'm gonna buy a ticket now. <laughs> it's hardcore. <laughs> I'm curious, but at the same time, I mean, I guess while I'm here, I should. I guess I have it easy compared to others. Like Vlord, are you? You're close to your your dad, right? Like, yeah. Right now, I'm like thirty minute like drive away. Um, there have been times where, like, I was, like, living in L.A. for a while, and I, like, was away from him. And then, like, when I was younger, my dad was gone 90% of the time, because a lot of his work was traveling overseas, so I never really oh, wow. saw him at all. Mm. Um, So it, it's weird for me, because, like, I've definitely got into this mentality where I feel like I don't need to see my family but I also know that if I keep thinking that way, I'm just going to regret it. And then by eventually when hypothetically my dad passes away or something, I'll never be able to interact with him again. I'm just going to be thinking about, oh, I could have spent all this time with him instead of doing other things. Yeah. That's a, it's, this is a very adult <laughs> kind of thing to worry about. This is yeah. not something you see in like shonen manga or as a teen concern. Yeah, like if no. the parents die, it's part of a plot. Like you know, like there was an accident, <laughs> or there was you know some kind of some kind of unexpected thing. But not this slow tick of time that you are that you are not paying attention to, and then until you realize, like oh shoot. You know? Yeah, and, and it's funny though. They both as 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 much as we're just saying that they had their difference, they do have one commonality, which is that they are a fulcrum for character development. Because yes. now. Yoichi, the fact that, you know, his father passed away is the trigger of the story and what caused him to kind of develop into by the end where he's like, OK, no, I'm going to make more of an effort to visit my hometown, you know, um, rather than before where I'd make up reasons or stuff like that. And like like Vilor said, too, because I'm so close to my mom and sisters, um, I do. There are times where I just don't. I'm just like, eh, you know, I call him on the phone or eh, when I have time, I'll go over there or something. But you never know. Then, then you get that kind of thought, and it keeps it keeps being prevalent thought until you do. You end up with regret. I think there are there are similar stories in in other American comics, right? There's like a Mouse, for example, by Art Spiegelman. Mm, right. It's a fun home, you know, fun home being uh, but being more about uh, the, the creators uh, discovering about her secret life of her father, who ran a funeral home. And she discovered that uh, he was probably gay. She's a lesbian herself. Hmm. So it's a really fraught uh, story, you know, about what you don't know about your father. And the mouse is about uh, Art Spiegelman's story about his father, who who has uh, survived the Holocaust. And his father telling, you know, giving him oral history of what it was like uh, in World War, you know, before World War II, when, you know, things were starting to get really bad for Jewish people. 
and what it was like to be in Auschwitz and stuff like that. But at the same time, it sometimes comes to the present where he is really struggling to relate to his dad. His dad does some really, you know, hor- does some really obnoxious things. Like there's this one scene where he, they pick up a black hitchhiker and then the father goes, why did you, you know, why did you pick up that Schwarzer? I think he's, you know, like, and then the uh, Art Spiegel's wife says, how can you say such a, such a prejudiced thing, such a racist thing when you were the victim of racism? And he says, Jews and the Schwarzers, it is not even to compare. (laughs) And it's like, whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So these are two stories that if you read the three of them together, this is like, relationships between fathers and 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 daughters and sons is very interesting to look at because it's three different cultures right <laughs> yeah i mean just like we have it here on this podcast we've got several different cultures and just how and so I, and i find it funny that the commonality between all is that we the culture is just to kind of just put up with things <laughs> yeah you know, take one for the team. <laughs> you know, generational too, right? I mean, like maybe our parents' generation uh, were maybe a little bit more, you know, kind of felt this responsibility as adults and this separation between the adult world and the child world and yeah. your relationship with your emotions. Whereas I think we, you know, you know, we're uh, this generation, right? Anyone who's grown up past the 70s, for example, is much more used to Therapy. <laughs> Talking about your emotions. <laughs> Self-actualization. And all yeah. That stuff. <laughs> and and mm. in the sense that in your that, best life. <laughs> in the sense that individuality isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like yeah. you know, like I mean the the sense of you, you know, there's a sense of community good community and there's toxic community and their good community is that you do things you know you're, you're basically not an a-hole <laughs> you help other people you help Generally other good people thing. <laughs> yeah you you know you help people you do the best you can but you don't do it you're not altruistic to a fault <laughs> where you're literally giving off your shirt and sitting in the rain for somebody else and you're by yourself and the 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 needs of the individual are just as important as the many and yeah i, I do Again, it does sound like a lot of our cultures have that kind of thing where it's like kind of hard to distance that where it's like, yeah, I need to worry about me. I understand that I need to worry about you too. And that's important about me as well. And I guess maybe, you know, relating it to the story, like, I guess you could applaud Yoichi a little bit for trying to take him, you know, do what I guess kind of he found he found what he wanted to do and he pursued it rather than uh, looking at it from like his sister uh haruko who was i mean if you were i were talking about it she wasn't so much under more understanding of her father but she was less rebellious i think that's what v lord said and older too yeah yeah and, i think and, the age was the biggest factor i thought because like because she was older she was aware of a lot more that was going on between her parents so that separation didn't have the same effect or I guess the same type of effect that it had on Yoichi. Hmm. I think when he was and as a young I forget what how old he is in the book when the mother leaves, but you know, there's he, I think he was at that age where you still feel really attached to your mom. Um yeah. and yeah. you really count on your mom to be a source of love and comfort, you know, particularly if his father is much more, you know, focused on work and 
kind of keeps him at an arm's length, not in a mean way, but just in a, this is just how I am kind of way. Yeah. I mean, you definitely tell his dad was, it was just this thing with his dad's like, this is all I know how to do. I mean, I'm really sorry. (laughs) I mean, maybe as time went by, he may have, you know, there are other ways I could have done this, but, and that's, and that is kind of the thing where it is. You can't go back and redo it as much as we'd like to, but yeah, that's his dad's meaning. His dad's way of, being supportive is working and giving, you know, having a roof over their heads and everything. Unfortunately, that because he that is the way he is, the emotional side was kind of lacking. And yeah, and I agree, like, you know, you have that attachment to your mom, especially as a, a young uh, boy, a young boy, you know, mama's voice and everything like that. <laughs> um, so I can imagine that, like, yeah, Yoichi um, seeing his mom, like, remarried, um, yeah, I, that was an art to me. It hit me kind of hard. Not that it happened to me. My feels like a betrayal, really right? It's like, yeah, like yeah. You're cheating on me, mom. Like you, <laughs> you know, like you don't love me the same. You don't love me as much as I thought you did. That you could leave me. Yeah, that kind of thing. So that hurts. So, and then the and the whole thing that they they were sending letters and he wasn't getting them. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, yeah. that was another thing. I was just kind of like, I get why that was done, though. Like, there are a lot of things I was just kind of like, why did they do that differently? And I mean, this story would have been a lot shorter, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, right, that right. would have made more sense to me. But that that was one thing I did kind of understand. Because, like, Yoichi already kind of showed those signs of, like, besides, you know, being a young kid and obviously not understanding that, like, he was very, you know, younger. He was that impulsive and everything like that. And, you know, people weren't explaining things the way he wanted to. He wanted to go find out himself. And... Yeah, while it was kind of, it, it wasn't the greatest way to find out that your mom's moved on. And unfortunately, there's really no way to package that in a way that doesn't sound like, oh, I've moved on and forgotten about you. Um, yeah, I mean, that one was another scene. That was like, a lot of the scenes hit me kind of hard, even if I couldn't personally relate to them. But, like, yeah. Being yeah. the mom at the end, wasn't that bizarre? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she just shows up after... I, I, I mean, obviously, you know, there are parts of the story that we're not seeing, but, um, well, no, no, because I'm sure that Yoichi would have said, like, oh, yeah, you know, I met my mom a couple of times or whatever. But then again, that's also on him because he also left and didn't come back. <laughs> so... Right, right. Like, he, he decided to just run away from it all because, and that's kind of what, 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 what he had to confront, right? Was that the things were painful, but he he chose not to face them head on. He just decided to get as far away from his hometown as possible, yeah, and not come back. Yeah, and in a way, as we said, his father kind of made a decision by burying his head in work, and right, right. You know that was the thing. I mean, at least you know he had a stepmother who again was very supportive of him, but even her, he kind of treated like I won't say badly, but he just kind of ignored her. Like you're not. Like, yeah, you know, and like despondent. She, yeah. And she was such a nice lady, too. I think the, the point and part about it is like when the when his family rep, uh, shows him the ways that his father really cared, you know, like he treasured this photo that you took of him. He, you know, he, he took care of your dog because he wanted you to be so pleased that you t- he took you took he took great care that you would be so happy to see your dog again. Like all these things that these gestures that the father did that show great love, but these are not obvious. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't necessarily things that Yoichi really 
I guess, cherished or remembered well. It wasn't what he was looking for. Like, yeah. these are things that he probably would have noticed if he were like, you know what, if he were in the mindset that my dad is a bad guy and, you know, or my dad is this way, maybe he would have noticed them. But what he wanted, not maybe not necessarily wanted, but probably what he was looking for was like grandiose, like grandiose signs that his dad is, you know, or he already, or even to put it another way, he already had this picture of what his dad was like in his mind, and there would have been pretty just much. Him no, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when he was a when he was a teen, there would have been no way to convince him other. Yeah, <laughs> right, and I think right. it also goes into kind of the selective memories we see of Yoichi in the like story, where like, there are parts where like he has these memories of like his mother, and like the one place where like they're dancing at like that military ball, right. like he doesn't realize that the person dancing with his mother was his father and his father is like happy in that moment and like that had just been kind of like blanked out of his mind because before that he hadn't really thought about it that way yeah very it's self-selective memory you're right yeah no that, that's a good point point. and yeah like uh yeah his memories of his mom definitely seem more solid but again as we said the mom is the nurturer and that's what he wanted was to be nurtured and yeah yeah, so that's why his mother, his mother, especially, and that betrayal were much more solid in his mind than, you know, his father. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, when he does reconfront his mother, like, it mentions on one of the pages, like, that image of his mother, like, having that new child with her, like, starts fading from his memory. Like, mm -hmm. he's no longer so fixated on that anymore. Mm -mm. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, definitely there's some more complicated things like what happened to his stepbrother right <laughs> um why did he why did they never stay in touch why did why did he completely cut off ties with the mom you know yeah but, yeah uh, but you know there's it was funny when i we did the manga explaining um if you recall chris had a lot of thoughts about uncle daisuke <laughs> oh yes and that completely flew over my head that Uncle Daisuke was probably a closeted gay man who uh, <laughs> just had no other options. <laughs> yeah, now that I think about it, I really see it, because like, it even mentions like he didn't marry until super late, and like, there's this like underlying idea that maybe he was like forcing himself to conform to what like his family and like friends were like expecting him to do. Hmm. Yeah. I, I hadn't taken that perspective either. It's interesting. It completely flew over my head until Chris mentioned it, and it was like, wow. <laughs> but it makes sense when you read it. Out back in the... Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, no, the more I think about him, yeah, that 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 is a very valid reading of his character. Because, like, yeah. Hmm. I, I just, again, I took a lot of things for face value. I'll, I'll admit that. But, like, yeah, I, I never really thought of him as... I just thought he was just, like, the boisterous Funkel, you know? Like, he just... Sure, sure. <laughs> he, he was just there to kind of, like, you know, hey, you know, dad's... Your dad's not that bad of a person. Come on, don't don't worry about it. And I, I, I just thought of him as dad. I didn't really think that of him as his own person. Like, he was just another, you know, character in this, like... Well, I mean, obviously he's a character, but he's just like another piece of this plot. Like, I didn't give him right. his own, like, sense of, you know, self. And, yeah, now that I think and about it. And he would have very definite reasons to resent Yoichi's selfishness. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Chris's reading on that gave me a whole other way of looking at it that I did, I did not anticipate. 
No, well, hearing it from you now has made me like appreciate Dice Gateway more. Yeah, but I guess uh, we should probably start wrapping up here since we've been talking for quite a while. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This, this was like super interesting. <laughs> yeah, and we all managed to not cry. So <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, do we have any final thoughts about it? I mean, personally, I think amazing book, uh, definitely hit some points that I wasn't expecting, but I'm glad it hit those points and, uh, I would definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, I, I would recommend, uh, no, I, I think I can go ahead and say that this is my first Taniguchi and it, it's a wonderful introduction to his works. Like if this is the level of storytelling I can expect from him, I think that I'm going to really enjoy the rest. Uh, I am definitely going to read A Distant Neighborhood because that one sounds more like, I mean, as somebody whose parents did get divorced, I mean, it, it happened in this book, but the perspective that in that one seems to be a little bit closer to what I might have done as a kid if I had that opportunity to keep my parents together. <laughs> but yeah. like that one would be definitely my next read. And but I think overall, even if you, whether you have a great relationship with your parents or a not so great one, I think just the idea of having perspective of how you how you perceive somebody and how you are perceived is an important one. Because as many people, as it's often been said, that you really don't know everything that's going on with somebody, even somebody as close as your parents. So I think from just taking away that, putting aside the dad part or whatever, you know, just taking away that perspective from it is, I think, an important one. Definitely. Yeah, I think this is a really great, I think this is a really great book. Um, it's one and done, so you're not on the hook to read a lot. <laughs> um, it's beautifully drawn. Uh, it's really nicely told. I think it's, um, it might surprise you by being deeper than it, it seems on the surface. Um, but I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, I agree. I mean... I guess just one thing I would just add is like, yes, Taniguchi's artwork is really, it, it's very simple, but evocate, ah, yeah, I, I, I just, ah. it definitely is a very, it's a simple artwork, but like the emotions it like, um, that it comes, it, it summons are very, are, I guess it, it, it the simple word artwork works well with that. Like it's not overly, you know, you have the really great like background shots and the shots of the characters and everything like that. and. I and you know the panel works very draftsmanship. The draft is very draftman like and very straightforward. But I think that it keeps it from getting in the way of how the story is told. Like you don't, it, you get this feel where it's very easy to read, and you're able to kind of like formulate your own thoughts as you're reading it because there isn't like a whole bunch of like it isn't busy. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm, yeah, I agree. Though I gotta admit the. One spread where the city's burning. Yes. Looks super cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. That's I mean this and this is that was a real historical event in Totori. So I think yeah, if you ever get a chance, uh please go visit that area. It's really beautiful. There's lots to see. Um I still think about this ramen I had on Shigeru Mizuki Road. It was like this ramen with like with a, a like a bonito base and it had like a piece of like fatty raw tuna floating on the top of it mm, so yummy so good <laughs> i yeah, might just go back just for that 
SNSF and Totori coming soon. Oh, yes. <laughs> 2022 or 2023. Whenever we can make it happen. But yeah, I mean, thanks again for coming on, Deb. This was super awesome. Thank you for inviting me. This was really, it was really great fun talking with you two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is there any uh, thing that you want to plug that you do online and all that stuff? Um, well, we've been mentioning manga explaining a bunch. Um, that's at mangasplaining.com. We've come up with new episodes every Tuesday, except for this month when we're taking a little break. We're going to start again with season two in first week of September, and we're going to be reading uh, Phoenix by Osama Tezuka. Oh, that's such Whoa. a good one. <laughs> and then after that, Spy Family. So, <laughs> But we, I promise we will read more um, Shogakan titles, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. We keep you in mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, we definitely are. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Well, that that's actually an honor. <laughs> but yeah, um, Sakaki, where can people find you? Yes, I've mentioned it a few times. Uh, you can find me at WSS Talkback on Twitter. Um, that's Weekly Shogakukan Edition, where we talk about all kinds of Shogakukan manga. And unlike some of the other magazine Twitters out there, uh, we cover Shonen Sunday, the entirety of it, every week, from cover to cover, mostly. So news, new Shikaku-kan things, definitely we are there for that content. Um, you can also go to wsstalkback.blogspot.com, where um, we have reviews of manga, uh, usually English edition. Um, reviews, interviews, translation interviews, as I've mentioned, from like manga from Shikaku-kan editors. And the most recent thing is an Otakon write-up I did. Um, the first con I've been to in, well, many of us have probably been to in a while. And some of the Shogakukan things that were mentioned there, like um, uh, like the release of Adong Sheik's uh, Renjo Desperado, some Motohagyo. Um, yeah, and of course, Detective Conan. You can't have Shonen Sunday without Conan. <laughs> so, <laughs> like we mentioned that as well. Um, um, well, I'm going to leave V-Lord to talk about the V-Lord Podcast Network trademark. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm also on another DB pod on Twitter, Another Day, Another Adventure, where if it's animated and Goku's in it, we are probably something. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something I write for Tanami Faithful. I really should write something else for them soon. And you can find me on my personal Twitter, at Kirobon, K-I-I-R-B-O-N, um, where... I talk about any manga that I'm reading that is not or anything that I'm doing. Um, yeah, right now I'm playing. Uh, I always call it by the Japanese name, and I have trouble remembering the English one. Uh, Great Ace Attorney. Probably see a lot of stuff from me coming from that game. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Yeah, I guess as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at vlordgtz. And then I write various things for all-comic.com, as well as tsunamifaithful.com, so you can check out all my writing on those places. Uh, but then I do a lot of podcasts, like Sakaki mentioned. Um, our biggest one is the Demon Slayer podcast on Twitter at dslayerpodcast. Then we have Oversoul Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod. The Dumb Weebs podcast at Dumb Weebs Pod. And then I'm also occasionally on the Tsunami Faithful podcast. Uh, which is on Twitter at Toonami Podcast. But as far as Saturday Night Shoggy is concerned, you can find that on Twitter at Sat Night Shoggy. 
And uh, just follow that for any updates about the podcast and uh, when it comes out. And then you can find the podcast on basically every podcast platform out there. Anchor, Spotify, Podbay, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Uh, So go subscribe to us, go write us a review, rate us, all that good stuff. And yeah. You guys make me feel like a slacker, man. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't do what we do. Yes, do not do what we do. (laughs) We it's are a, not it's to more be of a admi- curse. We are not to be admired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that does it for this episode. So we will see you guys later. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.